This is the fifth episode of the Tan Ching Bok podcast. For this episode, I will be your mystery co-host once more. As always, if you would like to be a part of this show, send in your questions and comments to ask at tanchengbok.org. You can also DM him on Instagram at tanchengbok. We are releasing this episode ahead of schedule because this coincides with the closing of nominations for the Nominated Member of Parliament or NMP scheme. That is our topic this time round. So, Doc, besides elected members of Parliament, two other schemes exist as well. The NCMP or Non-Constituency Member of Parliament scheme and the NMP or Nominated Member of Parliament scheme. So tell us the key difference between these two schemes. I think the basic difference between nominated members of parliament and the NCMP, that is the non-constituency member of parliament, is one has gone through an election, the other one did not fight any election. In other words, one at least has got some mandate from the ground and the other one got no mandate from the ground. So the NCMP scheme is definitely a much better scheme than the NMP scheme because the NCMP have gone through the general election and by virtue of the fact that they were the top losers, they have won their seats. So they actually fought uh, uh, in a GE and that means that they have gone through what is it what gone through what it means to be uh, garnishing for votes from the people. Whereas NMP is just, you know, being nominated and you go into the house. There is no challenge, there's no risk-taking. And uh, I think that is not the right way for people to enter parliament. What were the reasons behind starting this scheme in the 1980s? I think there was a fear in parliament that there will be no opposition in the house. Because in 1980, when I entered the House, I remember there were no opposition members. So the whole House were all PAP. Then I think in 1981, when there was a by-election, uh, I think JBJ entered the House. That was the, well, the, the, the first opposition after a long period. Now, I, there was a fear that if there, uh, if there are only so few opposition MPs, there will be a, a lot of uh, views coming from one sector, that is the government sector. So the intention was quite good to get people from outside uh, to come into the uh, into the house so that they can uh, they can speak for those people. That was what they were thinking about. Back then, what was your initial worry when it came to letting NMPs into the house? I think my initial worry is that you know, I think there is, there is a question of responsibility. When you go to parliament to speak, you speak with conviction, uh, representing a sector of the population who voted for you. And that is very, very important. Because if you don't have that, uh, that responsibility, I think 
who is going to believe? Who's going to believe you? You got no mandate. Uh, so that was my initial uh, reservation, and also having been brought up in the British school of the Parliament, British Parliamentary School, I we always say that you must go through a parliamentary election, uh, a general election before you can come into the house. So in this case, no elections, no, so it's not correct. How were things like initially when there were only three NMPs and before the scheme got expanded to make room for six? and now nine NMPs. Were there any merits to these NMPs coming in? And were there any trends you noticed that may have gotten you worried? I think they increased the number of NMPs because the, the number of opposition getting into the house actually did not increase. If I can remember, I when I was in the house, the, the representation from the SDP, I remember one stage only three. And then Workers' Party, I think, two. And um, this don't seem to have increased the number of so-called opposition uh, opposition in the House. So that is where they increase the number of, uh, of uh, NMPs. That, is, that, I believe, could be one of the reasons. But I think the other reasons was they wanted to increase the, the, the number because they want to allow more sectors in our population to be represented in the house. Now this is where I already warned them in the, in the past that there should be no sector representation. Because when there's sector representation, that means they, they will go to the house and talk on their hobby horse subjects only. They're not talking about what the, what the, what the, 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 the problems are facing, say for example, HDB flats or, 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 or or the current uh, climate of uh, problems that that is in the in, in 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 Singapore, because they only be concentrating on a particular subject. For example, those who are medical will only talk about doctors. Those who are lawyers maybe just talk about the legal matters. And I think there are other people who are talking on the on the arts and on the and, and other favorite topics of theirs. So this is not right. An MP, when they go into the house, must be able to talk on a wide range of subjects. And they should not be given that opportunity to use parliament, you know, to speak on the hobby horse subject. One point of concern that you have always raised was that these NMPs have never been through elections before. Why is this such a big concern to you? I think if you have not gone through the electoral process, you can never really understand the needs of the electorate. And, uh, and that actually means that the kind of person who actually come into the house, obviously are not risk takers. Just, they just want to feel that, that they, they don't want to go through the whole process of, of, this, electoral, of this election process. Because you can lose. So you must be a risk taker. And at that time, I remembered the government was calling for Singaporeans to go overseas, be risk takers. You must go forward. You must develop our second wing and so on. But here on the other hand, then they said, no, in parliament, the highest uh, lawmaking body in Singapore, you're not, you don't have to worry. You don't have to go through all the stress uh, associated with the election. You just come in. I think that sends a wrong signal to Singaporeans. 
you ask me to be a risk taker and then you encourage all these non-risk takers to come in. So I thought that was also no good. One risk that has been highlighted is that individuals may use this NMP scheme as a platform to air extreme views. Tell us more about this concern. I think that is a very, very important observation and I, and I agree with you. That is where appear to be very remote, but there's always this danger. Because the people who have those ideas, they are very good schemers. They can work in the ground. They can be very pally with the, with the, with the members of parliament or some of those very prominent people who have, uh, when they recommend the government, will just accept. So there's, there's always this risk, you know, of, they, of, the, of those who are recommending missing out these people. Because they are very good charmers, they can do a lot of, they're good talkers, you know, and they can get into the house. So once they get into the house, okay, maybe beginning they will slow down a little bit, you know, won't talk so, so strongly. But I always believe towards the end of their term, which is only two years, I can tell you there's no stopping them from airing what they think should be at and there could be some extremist views. And uh, how are you going to stop them? They are really, going to leave the house. And anyway, even if they, if, they, if they were to add a view from the beginning of the term, it's only two years. But that two years, they can do a lot of damage. So we must prevent all this. So your bottom line is that anybody who comes into the house must have that certain level of accountability. Yes, the accountability is very important. And uh, if, we, we, if, we, if they you find that they are, they, are, they are not going to be accountable for, for what they say in the house because don't forget, once in the house you got this, uh, this uh, what do you call that, uh, you, you won't be punished, you know. You can, uh, this immune, you, you have this, yeah, you have this parliamentary immunity. So you can't, you can't, you can't stop me. So I think I'd rather not take the risk. You see, we go to we see we go to the go to parliament to when uh, make legislature to make sure there's no racial discontent, no religious quarrel and all that. We do take so much trouble to get this in order, and here we are opening the door to a possibility of such views being had in parliament by nominated MPs. Now it's time for our question and answer segment, Doc. Open the mailbox. Let's see what we have. Yeah, Roy emailed and asked, uh, during your time in parliament, you've had the chance to see many NMPs at work. Were there any individuals whom you felt did justice to the, to the scheme? Yes, I, I, I cannot deny the fact that one or two of the NMPs really did a very good job in the house. I think amongst them I can remember is Walt, Professor Walter Woon. He was the one who, who uh, moved a private member's bill on the protection of parents from, uh, from, uh, from the children, from the abuse by the children, yeah? and not taking care of, the, of, of, the, of them when they're old. So that was, that was a good bill, and uh, it was a very logical bill, and we all supported him. So he is one of those chaps. And I remember the another person's government, Kanwaljik Soin, also very, very, uh, very good MP, uh, NMP. And uh, I think she brought up about protection of families or so, but unfortunately her private members built in the through. But these are the two I can actually figure out because 
Uh, anyway, I wasn't there to, to see, to watch all the other MPs, all the, all the other NMPs. I left the house by then. But yes, but of course, uh, one of two good ones to make the whole scheme a success. I think we have to look at the scheme you know, on a very general and broad front. And that is uh, generally, if we really want a parliamentary, parliamentary system to be really accountable to the people, I think NMP scheme don't fit into it. And we have a second question from Mel. She asks, since you are quite strongly against this scheme, if given the choice, would you repeal the NMP scheme? Or if choose not to, how would you tighten it? I think my stand is very clear. And I think we have to stop the scheme. If I recall, in, in Britain, actually in the early days, before we have our own NCMP scheme, the scheme was actually practiced or used in England, where the Oxbridge, I think some of Oxbridge uh, uh, people from, from Oxford and Cambridge, they were given some places in the, in the, in the house, but they repealed it after a while. So I think they, they, they did a trial, they saw the merits and the most of it, I think there were some merits, but most, most of it, I think they didn't see the value of having um, uh, what they call NC, uh, nominated members of parliament coming to the house and not able to truly reflect the ground feelings. So you feel that there's no way at all to tighten this process? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I, there's no way to tighten it because I think uh, they already tried to tighten. They not tried to tighten it. In fact, they, 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 they're expanding it, you know. In the beginning, no, you cannot be a member of any political party. Yet, at the end of the day, we see a few of the NMPs belonging to the People's Action Party, which is, it shows that they're actually compromising again. So I'm worried that the scheme if you don't put a stop to you, it will expand and involve many other sectors of the population, uh, which will we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, allow. I think one point before I leave actually is that there should be a more you know, the sector representation is is sometimes you know, I just can't imagine why they do allow it. Because, for example, in the labor labor movement, were asked to put in, I think one or two candidates as NMP. I think one can one candidate as NMP. But there are nine, a nine or ten, I remember, labor MPs in the house. I cannot reconcile how you need another NMP labor MMP to come to the house. What is his role? Are you telling me that those sitting Labour MPs are not able to articulate the views of the union and you need somebody nominated by union to go back to, to go to the house and speak for the unions? I think this is really, I just cannot reconcile. Thank you, Doc. That's all the time we have for this fifth episode of the Tan Ching Bok podcast. Our mailbox is always open for comments and questions. So leave them in by emailing ask at tanchengbok.org or DMing him on Instagram at tanchengbok. We'll see you on the next episode of the Tan Ching Bok Podcast. <laughs>